Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So who has been enjoying this series on Jonah? Anyone? Okay, good. Good, a few of us have. I've always, I've always loved studying the book of Jonah because... Our understanding of it is often so small compared to what God intended for it. It's often in our mind as a few picture books or veggie tale stories of Jonah making God angry, Jonah got eaten by a big fish or a whale as what's actually pictured in all of our picture books and then poor Jonah was spat back out and then he continued on his way. It's kind of the gist of the whole story, right, in the picture books. But it goes way more in depth than that. It draws way more parables into the, or parallels, sorry, into the rest of the Bible. And it correlates to Jesus. And it can paint such a beautiful picture of how God can relate to us. So in chapter 3, we are out of the whale. And we get to, (laughs) you're not out of the woods yet. Um, but we get to explore two different um, perspectives, really, in this chapter. The first one is the perspective of Jonah, and then the second, the perspective of the people of Nineveh. So we're going to put ourselves in Jonah's shoes for a little bit, and then we're going to put ourselves in the shoes of the Ninevites for a little bit. But first, let's read this really long 10-verse chapter together. So strap in. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals herd Herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So, Lord, we just thank you for this chapter in this wonderful book of Jonah, Lord God. We thank you that we can place ourselves into this journey and we can hear directly from you, Lord God, through this book. Lord, would you open our ears to hear from you today, to receive your spirit and your word for us today, not my words, but what you have for us in this book of Jonah. In your name, amen. Now, 
Since I've been married, I've been cotton on to this whole thing called NBA watching, or bas American basketball. I am now a bit of a fan, a bit upset that my team lost yesterday by one point, but it's okay. I, I will be okay. Um, but in this thing called NBA, they have a lot of different statistics that they track for each team. And there's one particular one that's called second chance points. And they are points, I've got to read this, otherwise I get it wrong and Dan will be mad at me. But, and they are points that a team gains after they have attempted at least one shot during the possession and missed. So basically, they've got the team, they're dribbling the ball, one person shoots, it misses, it doesn't go in. Right? So they don't get points. But somebody else on their team or themselves is there to get the rebound. So they catch the ball and then they are able to then shoot and get the basket. Correct terms? Yeah, enough? Okay. <laughs> I'll be getting a speaking too late at night. So it's not that bad. Um, but basically, I really, I really, really like this stat because... To get the ball and to get those shot, to get the points, you have to be in the right position. You can't presume the shot's gone in and just sort of run away or you can't just hope for the best and stand there and, oh, if the ball comes to me, maybe I'll get it again. But they have to be in the right place at the right time. They have to really work for the ball. They've got to keep their eyes on the ball and they've got to get it. All right? Sometimes in life, I feel like we miss the shot. We miss the mark. Whether it's in relationships, whether it's at school, whether it's at uni, we mess up, we let people down. God could be calling us to go through uni to get that degree to then lead us elsewhere and we just put it on the back burner. Or he could be calling us to speak to that family member or that work colleague about Jesus and we just don't want to. It's too awkward. What if they don't like it? What if they don't talk to me again? Sometimes, or most of the time, we often miss the first opportunity we have. But we see in verse 1 of chapter 3 with Jonah that despite everything we have spoken about for the last two weeks, about Jonah running away, Jonah hopping on a boat when he probably shouldn't have even gotten a boat in the first place, he didn't want to hear from God. After all that, he then repented aligning his heart with God, turning his position back towards God and God gives him a second chance. So if we read verse 1 and 2 again, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Basically, we've heard this before. If we go all the way back to week 1, Jonah chapter 1 verse 2 so the second verse in this whole book, God says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah basically got given the exact same task by God. He ran away and God still trusted him. When he came back to God, he trusted him for a second chance. So just like in basketball, if you get the ball back after missing the shot, your team gets another chance to get those points before the opposition gets the ball again. Jonah got his second chance to do what God called him to do. 
So if we go to verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, then proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So Jonah makes this big trek to the city of Nineveh and then starts going into the city itself, following through on his calling. He followed through on what God asked him to do. He got his second chance and he obeyed. He continued to follow through. We've all, we've all needed this. We've all needed second and probably third and fourth and however many chances we've all needed. But we've all needed them. None of us are perfect. And God will continue to give us those second chances while we're on this side of heaven, which is amazing. But on us, will we actually follow through on what God is asking, what God has planned for us, what God has put forward for us and designing us to do? That's on us. We have to turn to God for that. So I want to now shift our perspectives. That was Jonah coming back for this part of the story. But I want to shift our perspective to the people of Nineveh for a little bit and put ourselves in their shoes. Not fully, but you'll find out why in a second. But like just mentally putting ourselves in their shoes. So to get a little bit of context of Nineveh and who they were. We heard a little bit from Pastor Paul last week from Nahum 3, but I want to actually read to you just a little bit of this chapter. Um, Trust me, it's enough. Just a little bit of this chapter, and we'll find out who exactly the Ninevites were. So, it's titled, Woe to Nineveh. Yeah, right, exactly. So, woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, flashing swords and glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over corpses, all because of the wanton, just wanton, thank you, lust of a prostitute, alluring the mistress of sorceress, who enslaved nations by her prostitution and people by her witchcraft. I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. I will lift your skirts over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. All who see you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is in ruins. Who will mourn her? Where can I find anyone to comfort you? Now, if you want more doom and gloom, go to Nahum 3. It's there. It's there. It keeps going. Nineveh were bad, really bad. We see here that they were known for their violence. They impaled victims on sharp poles, leaving them to roast to death in the desert sun. Piles of skulls and dead bodies scattered around the cities. And later in this chapter, it even talks about how they kill babies and their young because they don't want to take care of them. Great. Love Nineveh. Who wants to go? So it's, it's not even just kind of bad. 
that's like really bad, right? That's like the kind of place that even bullies probably don't want a part of, or like even bad people don't want to be there, right? So they would just, I think the thing that gets me too is that they wouldn't just kill the people that came to them, they went out. They went out to then just take over nations and kill a whole bunch of cities, but anyway. So these are the type of people that we don't want to be around. Later, it even says that their wounds are fatal and they can never be healed from them. It's like, far out. But Jonah speaks eight words. He only says eight words. I kind of wonder if that was all he actually spoke or if there was more to it than that and it's not recorded. But if there was just eight words, that's all it took for these people to believe God. Verse 5 says, The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. They were convicted and believed God with those, with those eight words Jonah kept saying. They stopped doing everything. All the killing, all the bad, all their work. They stopped eating, they stopped drinking, they stopped their animals from eating and drinking. I don't even want to know how they tried to do that. Like, that's, that seems quite hard. But those eight words, they believed God and they turned from all of that. They turned from all their old ways. They turned from all their evil and all their sin and they positioned themselves to look at God. They came back to God. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that we're not all really mass murderers or like killing people for fun. Just want to assume that. But I do know that there are parts of our lives that we haven't let God into, whether they're big or whether they're small. We are keeping parts of our lives to ourselves. We are stonewalling God. We're not letting God in for that particular area, whether that's our whole lives or just part of it. Whether it stems from wanting to be in control, wanting to fit in, feeling lost or alone, not knowing a better way, or simply because we just don't know the truth of who God is and his love for us. It could be how you act at home when no one's around, how you treat your family. could be the work gossip, what you do when no one's looking behind closed doors. could be your attitude towards other people. could be what you do with that one group of friends that you really hope no one from church runs into when you're with them. And the list goes on. But would you repent? Would you come to God and turn away from the evil, just like Nineveh did? Or have you allowed your heart to be hardened, keeping it out of God's reach? I've done that before, and it, it turns ugly. It hurts me, hurt the people around me, and it took years to be free from the things that you just keep knowing that God wants, but you keep blocking it, you keep blocking it. It can take years to be free from that hurt. So Psalms 130, if we look at just verse 3 to 4, it says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, 
so that we can, with reverence, serve you. So there is forgiveness in our Lord. He desires to see us repent and run back to him no matter how big or how small the thing is we're turning away from. The thing that amazes me about this story of Jonah is that yes, the death of Jesus covered us, but back then for Nineveh, Jesus wasn't around just yet. God still had mercy for Nineveh, even then. God had mercy for Jonah and second chances for Jonah even then, before we had our sacrifice of Jesus. So I want to read all of Psalms 130 over us today. And if you want to read along with the screens or if you want to sit there with your eyes closed, I really just encourage you to take this in however you're best able or would like to. Lord, I cry out to you out of the depths of my despair. Hear my voice, O God. Answer this prayer and hear my plea for mercy. Lord, if you measured us and marked us with our sin, who would ever have their prayers answered? But your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshipped. This is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. I long for you more than any watchman would long for the morning light. I will watch and wait for you, O God, throughout the night. O Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, and keep waiting on the Lord, for he is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. He himself will redeem you. He will ransom you from the cruel slavery of your sins. He's a thousand different ways to set us free. But first we need to turn to Him. We need to be looking at Him and not running away from Him. So Jonah repented, turned back to God, and God gave Jonah a second chance to keep going with what He was calling and asking Jonah to do. Nineveh repented and turned from their evil ways and desires towards God. And God relented and kept his promise, as in verse 10, that he promised not to bring destruction on the city. Now, I want to give us a chance today to repent and turn back to God. Wherever that area is, whether it's big or small in your life, it matters, and it matters to God. So we, just for a bit of privacy, let's all close our eyes for a second. If you are in need of a second chance, if you need to come back to God and repent to Him, if you feel comfortable, I encourage you just to pop your hands out in front of you, just to receive from God. He wants to speak to you today. He's going to reveal to you a new thing. That's that second chance, a new direction. So Lord God, right now we thank you that you are a forgiving God.
that you are full of mercy and that you are full of love and that you desire for us to have no reason to be unconnected to you. Jesus, you desire us to have our full attention on you. Lord God, thank you that in the little and in the big, we can come back to you and you will always accept us, that you will always love us. Lord God, you will always give us that second chance. And we thank you, God, for that. Right now, as people are leaning their hearts into you, Lord God, as people are repenting, as people are after that second chance, that second wind of hope, Lord God, would you be filling them with your spirit right now? Would your hand be over them right now, Lord God? And would you be stirring something in them, Jesus? Your wisdom, your knowledge just flooding through them right now, Lord God. God ideas are coming through. In your mighty name, amen. Now, if you're here today and you've never actually accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and ever believed in Him before, I want to give you that opportunity to do that today or to recommit your life to Him again today. He's ready for you. So if that's something that you want to do, we're actually all going to pray a prayer together. And if you want to become into relationship with God today, I want you to pray this with us and know that you are praying it to enter into the relationship with a God who loves you. So if we pray all together right now, say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you're a God of love and forgiveness. Turn from my evil ways and I look to you. I accept that you died on the cross to save me from my sin. From this day forward, I choose to live for you. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, Find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.